Hello, I'm Victoria. And I'm Johnny. Welcome to Tasty Pages. A podcast for people who love cookbooks, food, and cooking. Each week, we'll discuss a featured cookbook from our popular Cooking the Books Instagram page. We'll also discuss the dishes that we made and rank the book in a variety of categories. Including food photography and styling, degree of difficulty, and of course, taste. The conversation is always unscripted, unedited, and uncensored. Spoiler alert, Victoria likes to swear. (laughs) All of this takes place in our living room in the heart of Minneapolis. Oh yeah, we also have a featured show topic with contributions from our listeners, and we end each episode with a lame food-related joke. Usually very lame. Hey now. (laughs) Join Join us for for Tasty Tasty Pages. This week's featured cookbook is... Forest Feast Road Trip by Aaron Gleason. Hey, Johnny. Hey, Victoria. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so picture this. You're at a restaurant. You know how a lot of uh, restaurants have uh, eliminated their paper physical menu and it's all digital now, like Mm -hmm. you scan a QR code. You scan that code and it takes you to the Rick Astley video on YouTube. You get Rick rolled at the restaurant. No, that's dumb. <laughs> you don't think that'd be a good idea? No. You don't think that would go over well? No. You don't think it would make diners happy? No. Don't think it'd be like a, a clever, funny idea? No. Okay. <laughs> Look at me shitting all over you. <laughs> that's all I got. Good night, everyone. All right. Welcome to episode 77, Lucky Sevens, Double Sevens, Tasty Pages, a podcast from Cooking the Books. If you go to our website at wecookbooks.com, you'll see a store tab that you can click on. That will direct you to our Amazon.com affiliate page. You can make a purchase from any of our curated lists there, including cookbooks, kitchen tools, and utensils, anything there. We've painstakingly assembled these lists mm-hmm. uh, because that's how much we care about you. You'll get something you want. Won't cost you anything more. We'll get a little something from Amazon. It's the best way to support what we're doing here. Besides like throwing some cash in an envelope and mailing it to us. Right. Which we're not opposed to either. (laughs) We'll give you the address before the end of the show. Yeah. Before we jump into stuff, maybe we should talk about what we're, what we're imbibing on for this episode. Well, here's the thing. We're keeping it simple. We are keeping it simple and it is not a weekend. We're keeping it very, very low octane. Yep. We are drinking a... Grapefruit and rose botanical with uh, just some carbonated water. Yeah. It's low AVB. We're doing this um, on a weekday. Uh, we're recording this on a weekday because uh, we got a little busy over the weekend. Yes, and, we did. Um, still kind of hung over from our cocktail party that we had <laughs> on Saturday. And that was that was great. We had a taco bar set up. We did. We did a... Uh, Chicken tinga, we did a roasted cauliflower and a roasted mushroom. We had both and, flour and corn tortillas. Mm-hmm. Then we had some refried beans and a bunch of accoutrement. Homemade guacamole. Yes. Everything was gone by the end of the night, yeah. too. There was very little food remaining, so I guess that's a sign of a good party. I put out one of the things that I made or from... Or an inconsiderate party. Right. Maybe we should have made more food. Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, so one of the books that we're slowly working through is um, Fabulous Modern Cookies by Paul Argan and Chris Taylor, and I made these things called uh, Smoke Show Cheese Coins. And there are these crackers that are made with um, 
cheddar and Parmesan and lots of smoked paprika. It's basically like if you distilled cheese down to its very essence and then you put that in a cookie. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like cheese concentrate. Yes. And then you bite into it and it's just like this bomb of a cheese flavor. They're delicious and rich and like I had people coming up to me at the party being like, "You made these?" And I'm like, "Of course I made these." And I said, "They're they're gluten-free if that matters to you." They were gluten-free. It didn't really matter to it, anyone. Probably not. But I, I think I got the last one. I think I snatched it <laughs> up in like, my greedy little hand because like <laughs> it occurred to me at some point that they were all you know, going, going, gone. And I, I grabbed that last one very greedily. That's okay. Uh, we put in the work of hosting, so yes. you know, whatever. So uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about before we jump into our featured book is the uh, 2022 James Beard Awards made their return uh, live and in person to uh, Chicago, our former hometown. They awarded, uh, you know, their their annual awards to several books in different categories. And uh, I thought it would be interesting just to kind of look at the list and clue people in on uh, share our thoughts with it. Anything jump out at you? There are a few books that we have worked from. Yep. Including uh, Everyone's Table, Gregory Gorday. That mm-hmm. made, I think, both of our top 10 lists last year. And mm-hmm. it won for the uh, general cookbook category. Well-deserved. Mr. Jews in Chinatown, Recipes and Stories from the Birthplace of Chinese American Food. That's by Brandon Jew. And we actually enjoyed that book. A lot of it was very involved, but it was a great book. Um, In BB's Kitchen, one in the international category by Hawa Hassan and uh, Julia Tertian. That was another favorite of ours from last year. Mosquito Supper Club uh, won an award in the U.S. Foodways category. There's another book, uh, the Korean Vegan Cookbook, Reflections and Recipes from Oma's Kitchen, which we actually had. We checked it out from the library, but we didn't quite get around to working from it. I got a notice from the library. They said, give it back. There's a waiting list. <laughs> so it was, it was sitting here. We had it picked out. We were probably going to feature it next. Yeah. We had, it was bursting with post-its mm-hmm. and then I got the notice and they said, bring it back. Yeah. So it, it's on hold. It's, it's paused. We're, we'll get to it. See, you should have just been a scofflaw and kept it because they don't charge late fees anymore. I, I don't want that on my conscience. <laughs> I, I can't do it. We're just, we're, we'll just have to like, we'll, we'll break, get to it. We'll break down and buy it. Uh, Zuni Cafe Cookbook won uh, for the Cookbook Hall of Fame. Rightly, category? rightly so. Yeah, that roast chicken and then the the leftover roast chicken salad. Yeah, seriously, some of the best things that worth it we've for the made, price of admission alone. Yeah, seriously, some of the best things that we've made from from those books. So you can check out the complete list along with other awards for uh, film and television over at the James Beard website. But those were just uh, figured it was worth mentioning and just directing people over to. Uh, to the list for the cookbooks in particular. What are we also working on? We are slowly working our way through Smuggler's Cove, Exotic Cocktails, Rum, and the Culture of Tiki. 
and we, we we got one down. We're, we'll we'll mix up another one this weekend. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm enjoying that book. That's a fun book. Let's see. What are we doing for dinner tonight? For dinner tonight, we are doing some chicken wings from Pig Beach by Matt Abdu and Shane McBride. And this is like another one-off cookbook thing. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to dive into a year at Cat Bird Cottage by Melina Hammer. That's gonna be a fun one. Yes. I'm well. Got a unique point of view. We're uh, in a few days. We're going to be doing these uh, gochujang maple ribs, and today for that dish, I got started and I pickled some blueberries and watermelon rind, which both of I have never pickled before. This is not a spontaneous dish. It is not. If, if you're not a planner. Don't pick this dish because we're probably not going to do that until this weekend. But you had to pickle those. There's also a cornbread that I'm going to try and make gluten free. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to do these ribs. This is going to be an epic feast. This is an ambitious recipe that we're tackling. I can't wait for it. Out of the book. Oh, wait. Hold on. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about Aldi. Oh, yeah. Uh, As as I like to call it, the Aldis. Yeah. Aldi's nuts. <laughs> I, I think most people that reside in a larger metropolitan area are probably familiar with Aldi. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a nationwide chain. I believe it is still owned by the same owners of Trader Joe's or same you know company. Well, yesterday we were grocery shopping at Cub, which is like our. It's the regional it's, chain. It's the regional chain, store. and everything was so expensive. It was like. Total price gouging. A, a small little container of shiitake mushrooms was $5. And it wasn't even anything good. It was it was like Green Giant or yeah. something. Ridiculous. So we're just kind of like, oh, you a know. A single rotten avocado was $3.50. Every single mm-hmm. avocado we have gotten from Cub has been rotten. You cut it open and it's rotten. It's so sad. Yep. So today we went to Aldi. Aldi's. <laughs> And we stocked up and they had they had lots of gluten-free stuff too. I got a gluten-free pizza, some gluten-free General Tso's chicken. And prices were really, really good. Do you own stock in Aldi or something? I do not. Oh, okay. This is... This Just is, want to make sure you weren't like misleading our listeners. No, sir. Artificially like hyping this place up. No, sir. No, like, it, it, to, be, to be serious, it was quite a bit more affordable... Nice selection. I mean, you the the one critique I have is, and it, and it was kind of like how Trader Joe's used to be, um, is you can't go in there and just buy like a bell pepper. You mm-hmm. got to get like a pack of three of them yeah. or something. If you're just shopping for yourself, it might not be as appealing, but there's still quite a bit of stuff in there for, for everyone, yeah. I think. And and the, the bagging process is pretty... <laughs> For me, it was very anxiety-inducing because they just put everything into a cart and then you move your cart over and well, you bag it off on yeah, the side. My, my understanding is the the way they're able to keep prices down is they have a very minimal amount of employees. Mm-hmm. So they'll have like a few cashiers working. Ours had a security guard because, you know, we got a lot of knuckleheads in our neighborhood that want to engage in some shenanigans mm-hmm. and they got to keep us safe. I saw maybe one or two people stocking shelves, but it's very like bare bones. Yeah. No nonsense. But everyone was so nice. Yeah, they're too. very nice everyone and friendly, but very you know, nice. they're very efficient. And those and those cashiers, they just want to get people in and out. <laughs> they're just like, boom, boom, yeah, boom, boom. I mean, they're, boom. they're not gentle with your groceries or, or slow. <laughs> they, they can't be faulted for, uh, 
for being uh, slow at all. But I have to say, like, I am fully an Aldi's convert. Yes. Like, love it. That's probably where we'll be doing most of our shopping now. Indeed. Oh, we watched the Iron Chef reboot on Netflix. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Although, you know. I kind of like the rapport that Alton Brown and Kristen Kish have. I do, too. A little back and forth. Although, I do have to say, like, I feel like the choices of um, Ming Tsai and Curtis Stone as Iron Chefs, like, we've seen them on every freaking cooking show. Like, get someone new in there. Get some new blood for the Iron Chefs. Well, they have to be an Iron Chef to begin with in order to be eligible to be selected. So it's not like there's an unlimited pool to choose from. <laughs> okay, I guess you're right. Yes. Okay. I mean, I will say I thought they did a very good job with the contestants and then just the regular people on the show of keeping it very diverse and mm-hmm. representing a lot of different uh, cultures, races, what, what have you. And, and, and I really enjoyed that. Yeah, like Hmong food. Have you ever seen that on a cooking show? No. Yeah, so check it out. Yeah. Let us know what you think. I enjoyed it. Yeah, as I did. Should we dive into our listener question? Yes, let's. We put this out into the internet universe, and uh, we asked everyone, if you were to, and this was kind of inspired by our last episode, so if you haven't listened to that yet, check that out, but we got into a discussion about if you were to design your own multi-purpose kitchen gadget... What features would it have? And you can just let your imagination run wild. So at Jackie underscore cooks underscore food said a dual zester juicer for citrus fruit. Completely automatic. Yes. Oh. I like the idea of being able to, because then nothing goes to waste really. Like, because, you, you know, sometimes you'll need something for zest and you'll zest it and then it will languish in your in your how do you zest citrus walk me through your process because this is kind of you know everyone's got their own technique there's a little debate surrounding you know the proper way to do it oh i usually just use a microplane but do you make more than one pass in in a in a in a spot on the citrus um i'm because i know some people do like one Rotate it, one, rotate it. You know what I mean? That's so that, how, yes, that is how I do it. Any more than I, I, one, you Then get, you get like, the pith, and it's, and it's bitter. really bitter. Yeah. yeah. That's, okay. That's how I do it. That's, I try to do it. I'm not always <laughs> good about it, because I get too aggressive, and I just want to go back and forth. And so I, 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 I'm making an effort. Okay. Uh, maybe that'll be my New Year's resolution for 2023. Be, be a better zester. Be less aggressive with your zesting. A better zester. Okay. We'll, do, we'll just leave it at that. All right. Um, at Shelly KVD said, uh, here's another one, citrus squeezer measuring cup. I think they have those. We have one in her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, we have one. Yeah, they um, do. Uh, Maxwell Gregory 2018 said, a mashup of a KitchenAid mixer, food processor, and a Vitamix. Yes. Makes for more counter space. I mean, if they can combine air fryer, dehydrator, slow cooker, pressure cooker, etc., into one device. Then why can't they do that? Yes. Yes. I, I agree. Someone should be able to combine all those because they do take up space on our counter mm-hmm. in our kitchen. And I would love to just, you know, one device. Um, we got a few late minute entries. 
Our friend Alex R. said, a meat thermometer with a camera on the other side that could show the color of the inside of an avocado. He must be talking about those cub avocados. Those brown cub avocados. That's actually kind of... I know, right? I think that's hilarious. <laughs> Those are like his two must-haves. Oh, my God. I love it. it Apparently, yeah. but then it's got been, a camera on it. He's been buying shitty avocados yes. from Cub, too. Uh, and he's then, traumatized yes, by it. I, I understand. I share the feeling. And at Jay is in the kitchen said, a digital recipe box that will allow you to enter your recipes, sort them, print a grocery list, and send it to your iPhone, plan a menu, and give you a timetable for your due date. And I'm assuming like due date's not like re- referring to like a pregnancy or Probably something. Probably no. Just like when the meal's done. Yes. Because that would be weird. But that, weird feature. that actually sounds like a great idea. I'm sure it exists, to be honest with you. I'm sure there's an app that incorporates like recipes and grocery lists and... I, I think I've seen that in the past. Well, I think I think like some of the um, recipe sites that you go on will grocery list that they can send to your. You know, I don't know if they send them. Yeah, to your well, phone. And I've never I've never actually used that, but and we've spoke before about uh, I, I use an app called AnyList mm-hmm. that allows you to create grocery lists and share them with others and cross stuff out as you. See, buy you're so fancy. And, I just I just make a notes. A notes app. I, I find the any list to be a little easier because you can. It, yeah, I don't know. I'm just so used to using it at this point that it it, it works. What'd you have for your picks? I am going to with. I'm going to go with what Maxwell Gregory 2018 said. Okay. A mashup of KitchenAid mixer, food processor, and Vitamix, and it's funny because. Anything else you want to throw in there? Since you're getting fancy and you know the sky's the limit. I mean, we could add a citrus juicer in there. Sure. Why not? Dyson's got to get to work on this. Right. Uh, yeah, and it's funny because I was thinking of the same thing, and then, and then I saw their answer, and I was like, "Fuck yes!" Great minds think alike. Mm-hmm. What about you? Um, I went with like more a Swiss Army knife type of situation that would combine all of these single-purpose tools into just one gadget. Um, so, for instance, like a pizza cutter, a garlic press. A cherry pitter, like these things that either we reluctantly own because it kind of does the one thing you need it to do or the things that we refuse to own because I'm like, I'm not buying a fucking cherry pitter because Uh -uh. a wine bottle and a chopstick is all you need. It would get used like once a year or something. And I don't want that taking up room in our in our drawer or an apple core or something like that. I don't really use an apple core anymore. I think we still have like a a vintage. We do. In our drawer. I'm we, so afraid I'm going to slice open my hand on that thing. Yeah, we could get rid of it. Because like, <laughs> I just I just cut that portion out with a knife after I, I quarter it. Or well, and whatever. also I find it hard. Like It doesn't always seem to take the entire core out. It does so you're not. Just like <laughs> grinding away at this poor apple. It's, it's, it's antiquated, literally and figuratively. So yeah, if I could get like a, it'd probably be a, a pretty gigantic device, which would create its own <laughs> storage problems. Wouldn't wouldn't save any storage space. So, so maybe maybe my idea. Is I think misguided. you need to rethink that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, should we dive into this book? Let's do it. I feel like this is pretty quick. I feel like we should be maybe spending another fifteen or twenty minutes talking about nonsense. Before we talk about the book, nah, this is unusual for us. We'll get to it. We're efficient. We're getting like to those it. Aldi cashiers. Uh, exactly. All right. So this book finds us in California for author Aaron Gleason's uh, 
newest release from her popular Forest Feast series. We've featured uh, at least one of the books previously, uh, and I know they're all quite popular. Did um, we feature the book, or I think maybe we just did a one-off? We could have, yeah. But okay. I, I mean, we've owned them. We've we've yes. paged them. We worked from them before to some degree. Um, it was inspired by her family's travels throughout her home state of California. Um, so they, as I understand it, they took about a year to just like visit all these different areas. I believe they went to ten different mm-hmm. locations. And uh, let's see, it's vegetarian. And in addition to the food photography, the pages are packed with travel photos from the 10 different destinations, as you said, um, as well as illustrations um, that the author created herself. So it's kind of a a very self-produced project. Mm -hmm. You want to talk about the dishes we made? Yes. And then we'll discuss them in a little greater detail. Sure. Uh, We did a soba salad, halloumi bowls, sweet potato chili, Pineapple swirl and blood orange margaritas. All right. Soba so, salad. Soba salad. So here's the thing is... Um, we erroneously thought all soba noodles were gluten-free. But they are not. Yes. We We spent... We a majority spent, are not. A majority are not, yeah. We spent a good 15 minutes looking through all the soba noodles at our... Um, at United Noodles. Which is like our local Asian grocery store. Because, you, you know, that's the kind of things we enjoy doing in our uh, <laughs> free time. And we couldn't find... Browsing the soba section. Right. We couldn't find any. So we ended up buying these noodles that were made with corn. And what? Yes. And they were really delicious. So Very thin, right? Very thin. Yep. Would you compare it to like maybe spaghetti or something? Like kind of like angel hair, I there think. You go. Yeah, even thinner than spaghetti. Yeah. So this bowl had the noodles. There was a simple dressing that was made of olive oil and sesame oils mm-hmm. and tamari. Well, it called for soy sauce, but obviously we used tamari. Yeah. Uh, lime juice, grated garlic, and sesame seeds. So the noodles were tossed in that and then it gets garnished with cilantro, edamame, cherry tomatoes, and crispy fried tofu. That's kind of the star of the show. Mm-hmm. And then we also served it with a little bit of chili crisp yeah. to kind of unhealth it up a little bit. <laughs> and one thing that should be noted is like pretty much all the recipes within the book are pretty simple because you know in in following is following with the theme of the book like she's traveling around and staying in all these temporary residences like either places that they rented like an airbnb or a cabin or something or staying with like relatives mm-hmm. and so you know not having maybe all the comforts of your own home kitchen you've got to just keep things nice and simple and you know you don't want to be laboring over a meal for a long period of time when you're on vacation. Right. So you'll probably see as we discuss these in detail that most of the things like contain a minimum amount of ingredients, pretty simple dishes, easy to prepare. And they're healthy. Yeah. All right. So the next one we did was halloumi bowls. This is probably like the 50th time we've mentioned halloumi. Yep. Uh, it's the lovely squeaky unmeltable cheese that you... For the love of God, people, check it out. <laughs> It'll change your life. That you can you can fry, brown up, uh, and if you cannot find that, then you can use panella cheese or paneer. Mm-hmm. 
So what you do is you brown your halloumi and then you saute some carrots, red onion, and butternut squash in a mixture of spices, which is garlic, cinnamon, chili powder. Cinnamon. Yes. Um, For this one, we actually decided to double up the amount of spices um, just did you see this recipe and then just think like it could need it, it yes. could use more yes because the amounts were kind of minimal yeah because I know our palate and yeah. you know we it worked out great it was delicious yeah and then uh, well and also just one note you add the che- once you saute everything you add the cheese back in for a couple minutes just to reheat it up so you're not eating cold halloumi kind of sauce it up mm-hmm. yeah and we serve this with rice. Um, but the way we make rice is we make it in the rice cooker, add a little bit of coconut water along with the rest of the water, and that causes it to brown on Talk the Talk about single use or single purpose gadgets. We still own a rice cooker because I like it better. We could do it in our air fryer slash slow cooker, blah, blah, blah. But Or on the stove. Yeah, but I, I still find that the rice cooker is easier and produces better results. It's kind of like the... I can't Ron, get rid of it. It's kind of like the Ron Popeil set it and forget it type yeah, thing. Yeah, and I, I just, I can't get rid of it. Before you so rudely interrupted uh-huh. me. <laughs> get used to it. <laughs> Trust me, I am. No, just kidding. I love you. But we use, the, the coconut water tends to make it like a get slightly brown on the bottom which and you it, love i love it i love it crispy rice Mm-hmm. somewhat crispy rice okay so the next thing we did was a sweet potato chili why don't you walk us through this one I, I i'm tired i'm tired of talking <laughs> take a break you, you need to drink anyway <laughs> um this was probably my favorite dish from the book i agree with you it, you know well wait no it's not okay it is gluten-free. It can also easily be made vegan by omitting the sour cream from the recipe. You could use, uh, I don't know, there's all kinds of non-dairy yogurts. yogurts and stuff like that. The next, you add diced tomatoes, black beans, and some sweet potato. Second time that sweet potatoes have made an appearance mm-hmm. in the recipes that we chose. And then you just put it in some broth and some spices. Um it's allowed to simmer for a bit. I mean, it's a it's a pretty, you know, one pot, simple, set it and forget it meal. Um, and then it gave lots of options. I think it just had kind of like a little bullet point list of like choose your own garnish kind of situation. So, you know, it, it could include anything from avocados, diced onions, scallions, cilantro, hot sauce, chocolate chips. Nah, just seeing no. if you're paying attention. Uh, tortilla chips, fruity pebbles. No. Yes, I am fucking paying attention. <laughs> Stop it. Um, we added some soy chorizo to it. Yes. And, uh, it was it was quite welcome. And also, I have to say, we sir, Trader Joe's has almond flour tortillas because I cannot tell you how much I miss flour tortillas. Yes. The almond flour tortillas, meh. Yeah, they get pretty dry and yeah. they they tend to kind of crack and fall apart. Like four out of ten, I I don't think would I'd, not recommend. Mm-mm. Yeah, they're they're not great for making tacos either because they tend to kind of crack and fall yeah. apart unless you like a handful of taco filling. <laughs> That's what they're good for. Um, the next thing, which was actually my favorite, really, yes, okay, it, it was a pineapple swirl. It originated from the Dole Whip. Dole, yes, whip. <laughs> 
<laughs> which is from Disneyland. If, if, if you don't know what we're talking about, look up. I'm sure it's on YouTube. Look up the Family Guy episode cool. where just just enter. Go to YouTube and enter Family Guy Cool Whip. Yep. And, and, <laughs> yeah. There's a whole bit about Cool Whip. Um, anyway. So it was just frozen bananas, pineapple, and coconut milk. It was delicious nice and light and we being extra that we are i don't want to brag (laughs) we dehydrated our own pineapple rings for the garnish in that uh, air fryer that we were talking about Mm -hmm. see it does everything it does everything including dehydrating fruits yes unnecessarily next one it's all you all right uh we did these blood orange margaritas and you know if you've been listening to us lately, you know we've been leaning into the to the margs, and uh, love them. This, this was a, a nice uh, alternative. Ooh, our oven's ready for chicken wings. Mm. Yeah, we've been leaning into the margs lately. This was like a nice alternative to the blended ones that we've been making. As the recipe title indicates, this was uh, made with blood orange citrus. What else did it have in it? Cointreau. Uh, But we're cheap asses, so, (laughs) you know, we don't buy the expensive stuff. Some of these specialty liqueurs can be quite expensive, Mm -hmm. whether it's like elderflower, like the St. Germain or the Cointreau. We're we're always going to buy the off-brand stuff. Yes. Uh, The glasses get coated in um, tahine and salt, which tastes really lovely, but it makes a big mess. Yes. <laughs> Every time you set your glass, you're going to have like sprinklings. You're going to of... need a broom and dustpan. Yes, you while are. While drinking these. <laughs> Loved it. They're delicious. Yeah. I had uh, I had no, no complaints. Garnish with a little blood orange wheel. Mm-hmm. Wheel. 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 <laughs> for your whip. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the Amazon reviews. Yeah, so this was interesting. I looked up the most critical Amazon reviews. Everything was at least four stars, and I couldn't find any criticism. And I think this might be the first time, at least at the time that this episode is recorded, that that's ever happened. So kudos to you, Aaron Gleason. I have no critical Amazon review to share for the first time in Tasty Pages history. Wah, wah. Yeah. All right, so that brings us to our rankings, beginning with food photography and styling. What'd you have, Victoria? You go first. I feel like I always go first. I know, we have kind of a format dialed in. Ooh, this is changing things up quite a bit. I don't know if I can handle this. I think you can. Okay. Um, Let me preface this by saying that I decided that I liked the book when we were first cooking it, then I kind of hated it, and then I went back to liking it again after I was kind of getting this show prep together and stuff. So my rankings kind of reflect that. I think there were some parts of it that I was a little frustrated by working through it, but I've I've kind of grown to love them and embrace them. I have to I have to say I f- I feel the exact yeah. same way. I mean, we'll, we'll, you you you'll see what I'm saying. Okay, so food photography silent. I give it a four. Okay. There's lots of 45 degree angle shots. I think we noted earlier that these were all taken by the author, so there wasn't a food photographer uh, hired to mm-hmm. bring to do this lots of flowers foliage and fauna the three f's wait did you just say fauna 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 <laughs> like sauna but with an f yeah makes sense probably natural light it seems like a lot of these were taken outside Outdoor, yeah lots of ceramics and pottery and i do believe in the acknowledgement section that she mentioned a potter that 
had borrowed her a bunch of pieces, and so that kind of makes sense that they're they're heavily featured throughout the book. Lots of textured surfaces. So whether it's like fabrics or just some like hard surfaces that add texture to them. I would say there's probably an equal amount of kind of interior design and or landscape photos throughout the book. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of the places that they stayed throughout their travels, they've got like tons of pictures in there of these spaces. Many of the food photos have this almost, um, is it like a vignette effect where the edges are kind of blurry mm-hmm. yes. around the perimeter of the photo and then the, the, the center of the photo is, is very like sharp focus. There's a lemon parmesan smashed potato recipe on page 119 that has like a whole rosemary sprig and then like a whole lemon in the background. And there's there's a lot of photos like that throughout the book. There was like a sweet potato chili, which we made on 167 that has like whole sprigs of cilantro in it. So she, she does a lot of that stuff, which is kind of a style choice. I always find it a little weird. We, we do some of it from time to time. Yeah. But I'd, I'd say overall, we'll usually just do like if we're going to have an ingredient featured by itself, it'll be like in a little pinch bowl or something as almost like a garnish or something rather than like we're not going to throw like a big fistful of cilantro stems. See, but table. here to that note, let me I'm I'm not trying to horn in on your time. Mm-hmm. I would love to do that, like to style my photos like that. Uh-huh. But it's like extra expense. Sure. Like buying a yeah, whole you'd have to, another thing. Yeah, you'd have to make sure you have enough extra to do that with. And it's and it's not even like a critique, it's more just an observation. Yeah. Um it's just a it's just a choice that she made for food styling that that I thought was kind of interesting. Most appear to have been photographed outdoors, like I said. Mm-hmm. While not necessarily my aesthetic, it's hard to find fault with much of the photography and styling because the food looks really appealing. So Yeah. I it for. I gave it a five. Okay. Um, I kind of like resound all that you have said. Um, it, it the photos really, really do create like an atmosphere like, and a story. It yes, it takes you like it totally takes you through their vacation, and mm-hmm. you get the sense of where they are and how fresh everything is and how beautiful it is. And it, I think it keeps with the narrative of the book too because. These look like maybe they were plated and then like styled outdoors in natural light rather than obsessed over mm-hmm. uh, to great detail like in a studio where they were like plating stuff with tweezers and stuff. Like which, these, which these, would be like these photos as opposed to like the half baked harvest yes. ones. Oh man, we keep bagging on that book. I know, and it's a great book. It is a great book. Yeah. But but I but I think there's a disconnect between the food photography and styling and then like the narrative of that book, whereas mm-hmm. this it makes more sense. So anything else on that? No. All right. Design and layout. What'd you have for that? I gave it a five. And you know what is funny is when we got the other book before, I don't remember what the title was. Well, there's a forest feast, and then I believe there's one where they traveled to was it Italy? It was some somewhere in in Europe. Yeah, uh, and I was just kind of like, oh, this is so wooey and like it's just, a little precious. Just, just the whole design irritated me. But then I'm just kind of like, this is like it's, she has a vision it, and she really embraces it exactly and leads into it. And 
I can acknowledge and give her credit for the fact that not only does she like create these recipes, photograph everything, but then she does she illustrates it. She illustrates she, yeah. them. Yeah. And like writes all the, you know, interesting stories and headnotes. So this book has an intro and then there's also there's these cute little like water watercolor illustrations of all the vacation homes that they they that they stayed in and there wasn't a big like bullshit pantry section which I'm so tired of. There was just like a little like tip section like um unless noted all recipes serve 4 to 6 and her kitchen staples which was seriously a small paragraph. I have the list here if you want it. Give it to me. Bragg's liquid aminos, tahini, Old Bay, and Meyer lemon. So she was basically saying like these are the handful of things that you may not already have in your pantry. But I like that she doesn't kind of dumb it down and and feel like she has to waste pages within the book to recommend things that most cooks probably have in their pantry. Yeah. So you're not going to be like, oh, salt and pepper, really? Thanks. Yeah. That's great advice. But, uh, you know, the, the, these are ingredients that she uses enough in the recipes within the pages that she felt like, you know, if you don't have these, maybe pick them up. Mm-hmm. Valid advice. Um, and also in that was like she noted, because she'll say like saute something and she just denotes that her saute temperature is medium. This book, usually I'm always like, I want prep times. I want cook times, blah, blah, blah. But... You're on vacation. You're on vacation. You're not going to want to spend a lot of time. So you already kind of know that everything is going to be fairly quick. And the prep is casual. Yes. And the prep is going to be very easy. And leisurely. Yes. You you don't want. And and I think that was a conscious choice that she made on her part to be like, you know, I don't care if you take five minutes to do this or half an hour. Yeah. And the recipes themselves, all of them were placed on a scenic background and they were like fit into a sky space whether that means it's all up and down or like kind of going across the page they were fit in there the ingredients are listed by steps and then it would there would be like a bracket which is like saute all of these which i kind of thought was really nice yeah you're not like saute on you. I don't know. If it, 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 you weren't as bothered by it as maybe you thought you were going to I, be. I was not. Um, the text is really colorful. All the um, the recipe headlines are done in this nice big like watercolor cursive, and then the written ac- by the author. And then the actual text is like typewriter text, big enough to read. I'm sure I'm not getting to everything. We got time. <laughs> I mean, I I'm, I'm, don't think I'm saying like everything I want to say, but everything, everything was in different colors and it was really beautiful and it just worked with the whole aesthetic of the book. Mm-hmm. What'd you give it? I gave it a four. Okay. Um, the design is uniquely that of the author. It really is. Like I said, completely self-photographed, illustrated, watercolor paintings. There's handwriting in there. This is one that you're either going to love or hate, or in my case, love, hate, and then love again. Mm-hmm. If I'm being honest, I find it a bit kind of quote unquote busy and thus it can be a little difficult to follow. That's, I see. That was that was my big problem with it yeah. the first time, And I time, think that I think. was like the thing that I knocked one point off for in the ranking because I can understand how 
if you just want the recipe and you just want like a nice clean easy to follow list of your ingredients and your method this might give you some anxiety because that's exactly that's exactly how i felt the first time like because yes and i think when we were working through this book that was our critique at the time well it's funny because this book was sitting on our counter and my best friend was over and she's like, oh, I love these books. She's probably getting this after we're done. She, I, I'm going to gift it to her, yes. It's a like, great book. We just don't feel the need to hold on to it. But um, serving portions are mostly four to six people. Mm-hmm. As you mentioned, there's no prep or cooking times. But I think that was intentional on the author's part. I doubt that she's really concerned with adhering to strict cooking times because these seem to be designed more for like a leisurely pace. Because after all, you are on vacation, um, the fonts are a mix of both handwriting and then typed as in typewriter font, like you said. But all, we're not even talking handwriting. We're talking cursive. Right. And it's all in a variety of colors and sizes. There's some great introductions where she describes the trip in its entirety as well as the inspiration behind it. Otherwise, there's not a lot of extra material in the book. There's a list of uh, what she calls like her favorite stops. And it's like a couple pages of not only like towns that they visited or maybe drove through, but like wineries, breweries, farms, beaches, some state and national parks, restaurants, bars, maybe some different activities, markets. So if you're kind of planning a trip through California, she kind of gives you some guidance Mm -hmm. on that. There's a useful packing tips section where she shares some of her like road trip hacks and and tips which I thought was really interesting but this book definitely kind of sparks some some wanderlust and kind of makes you want to like hit the road and like take a road trip and and she actually even says in there like you know this is just my version and I I drove through my own home state of California but no matter where you live you can do the same thing in yes. your own state. I mean we could hit the road and just drive through all these places in Minnesota and probably have like a wonderful time Agreed. exploring. So uh pack your bags. We're we're leaving tomorrow. Is that a threat or a promise? <laughs> all right, uh degree of difficulty. What'd you have for that? I gave it a 1. Yep. Everything was and that's so, a good thing. Yes. Everything was so simple. It's like an outdoor slash vacation eating book. Even though like on first glance, like the way the recipes are formatted, it seems really um, irritating, but it's not because you're not, you don't have these big ingredient lists and then like a method Recipes are very brief. Yes. So I I feel like it's an easy like one, two, three, how to cook. Right. And the thing is there, I feel like there isn't a ton of cooking. Like you're not, like everything is being done together. And it's not long cooking times. Yeah. You're not doing like batches of stuff. So like it just makes it so easy. Mm-hmm. I I would totally give this to someone who has never cooked before. Sure. And like you can make some delicious food from this. Agreed. What say you? I gave it a one as well. <laughs> um, since these recipes were created using a variety of kitchens in uh, temporary spaces, there's an emphasis on quick and easy. Um, so for instance, the, the floral flatbread recipe on page 116 
makes use of store-bought pizza dough instead of, you know, making focaccia from scratch. Yeah. Because, like, that's not this type of book. And uh, going back to that half-baked harvest, like, there was there was something in there where she was talking about her preference for homemade bread or homemade pizza dough, but then the recipe that, that this little part was in was talking about buying store-bought pizza. There was no recipe in the book for homemade pizza dough. You know, so it was just one of those things where it was like kind of contradictory, whereas this just fully embraces the convenience of, hey, go buy some store-bought pizza dough. I'm not going to give you a recipe for focaccia because like that's not what this book is about. Yeah. And, and I thought that was great. And, um, and then it just gives you a little like, you know, clever twist on, on, on that. Many of the recipes offer variations or substitutions in order to minimize stress or make use of what you already have on hand or what maybe what you have access to. Or to make something vegan. Yes. Like leave out, leave out the sour cream yeah. and substitute it with. So I, I appreciated that too, where, um, you know, the, 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 the overall vibe of the book is like low stress. Easy breezy. You can do this. And I, th- I think it succeeded in that regard. Mm-hmm. And lastly, taste. What'd you give it? I gave it a four and a half. All right. I appreciated the clean, simple flavors of all the dishes. My only critique, and it's very minor, is that I thought the seasoning could have been increased, and that's just more of a personal preference. But otherwise, every dish that we made was successful and was delicious. What'd you have? Yeah, I should. I was going to give it a four, but I think I should give it a 4.5. We did up the spice measurements in some of the dishes really all the dishes were like super clean and like they felt very light and healthy and like just what you want to eat when you're traveling you don't want to be weighed down before you go out for a hike or uh go swim in the ocean you don't look at the largest ball of twine (laughs) in the country you don't feel like you're gonna like sink to the bottom of the ocean exactly (laughs) anything else I don't think so. All right. Well, we have arrived at our gastro obscura section, exploring the weird and wonderful culinary traditions, experiences, and ingredients from the book of the same name. Where are we going to this week, Victoria? We are going to Estonia. Uh, this is a fermented bread soda called Kali. Apparently, Estonia is known for their very sweet, dense black rye bread. Uh, they love it so much that they figured out a way to drink it. What they do is take the bread. Never well, once when I've been eating a piece of bread did I say, this would make a great drink. I know, right? But, but hey, you do you. Anyway. They take the bread, which is already made from a fermented dough. Uh, that gets boiled until it gets soft. And then it's mixed with a yeast and sugar and maltose situation. Uh, it ferments for a day and then it gets strained through a cheesecloth. After that, additional sweeteners are added, such as raisins and lemons. Lemon doesn't really seem like a sweetener to me. Isn't there like a yeasted beverage in a bottle that they sell in the store? I can't remember what it's called, but I, I, I swear I've seen it before. I don't even know if it's something I've ever tried. I'm sure there is a yeasted yeah. beverage. Anyway. Um <laughs> Um, Okay, so the resulting product is an effervescent drink that tastes like a mashup of like dark beer and kombucha. And it's but it's more nutritious than like a cola because it contains vitamin B, magnesium and the lactic acid from fermentation aids in digestion. And man, look at your biceps. I got like front row tickets to the gun show over here. Victoria's. Got some guns. 
Oh, thanks. anyway, thanks. You know, you know what I'm going to say about this is that it would make a great cocktail. I have. <laughs> Yep. My my wheels are turning to my head already. I'm like, <laughs> what what alcohol could I put in this? Um, I might have a problem. No. Anyway, go ahead. I don't think so. Well, it used to be sold from carts by the glass, but now you can find it in the supermarkets. But apparently it's not the same because it's not fermented. So it's more of like a soda quality rather than a beer-like beverage. Are they worried about it exploding or something? I don't know. What if you drank a bunch of this would and, and would would like bread grow in your stomach or something? How I, does this work? I think you'd get really good digestion. Let's ask Alton Brown. He'll know. <laughs> He'll know. Uh, here's the thing. Other countries, like this is a fortified soda, so other countries have their own versions which claim to aid like indigestion and various other ailments like diabetes, the diabetes. Mm-hmm. So from the Caribbean, there's a mobby fizz, which is made with tree bark, anise and vanilla. Sounds delicious. Mm-hmm. Vietnam has one called Trebeco, which is made with white fungus mm. and swiftlet bird nests. Make a cocktail oh, out of that, also sir. Tempting. <laughs> Switzerland has Ravella, which is made with milkway and minerals. South Korea has has something called Tamla Village, which is made with Jeju onions. Yeah, they got to work on their branding. Oof, onions, onion beverage. So you're gonna have a you're gonna have like body odor breath after you drink that. Yeah, this is not something you drink on a first date, like <laughs> you know trying to pick up someone at a bar or something. And then the USA, Doctor Brown's. Really? Yes. They have something called cell ray, which is made with celery seeds. Oh, yeah. I think I've seen that before. I don't know if I've ever had that. We'll have to pick pick some up. I, yeah. bet you they, I bet you they have it at United. I bet you you're right. Maybe they'll have that onion beverage, too. No. You, what kind of cocktail would you make with that? Maybe some kind of Bloody Mary situation or something. Yeah, probably. Huh. Okay. Or maybe like use it in a Gibson or something. All right. Bring us home, Victoria. <laughs> All right. So if you enjoyed the show, please rank and review us. You can follow us on our socials. Our Instagram is at we underscore cook underscore books. And our Facebook is at we cook books. Last but not least, I, I, I saved the best it's, for last. It's usually the least. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Before we send you on your way out into the world, we've got a joke for you. Hey, Victoria, remember that time I made Hawaiian pizza, but I burned it? I should have cooked it on a low uh, temperature. (laughs) (laughs) See? That's a zinger of a joke. That was really funny. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a fantastic week. Stay safe. Stay hungry. (laughs) 